I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to the Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. And like always, I'm joined by my husband and co-host, Josiah. Josiah, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm fired up about life and to hang with you by this fireplace and uh, just to have some time with the listener too, of course, we just consider it a joy to come into your homes, your offices, and your headphones. Mm-hmm. And um, we're jacked to have Pastor Grant Partrick on the other side. How are you? I'm great. I'm so excited about hanging with you guys for a little bit. I like the best Pro Shop hat. And uh, <laughs> I love what you guys are doing and your heart for young leaders and excited to spend some time together today. Well, we're excited to hang with you, Pastor Grant, and uh, we serve the king of all kings. And I heard a friend say that right now, this is the hat of all hats. (laughs) So if you need one, just let us know afterwards and we can send one your way. We're from Minnesota. (laughs) So whether you ice fish or regular fish or just like the look. (laughs) And he falls into the last category, so don't (laughs) let him fool you. (laughs) Yes, I, uh, I grew up kind of in the country and my dad is like legit country. And so a couple of years ago when Carhartt made its big roar back, he was so proud of me that I was wearing Carhartt again. I was like, it's not really the same as you wearing Carhartt, but you know, this is more the cool Carhartt. So Bass Pro Shops, cool as it gets. I knew it. And I'm from North Dakota. So when I lived in North Dakota, I would drink out of mason jars and then look at you like you're a hick. I moved to the cities here in Minneapolis and like, oh, now you're hipster. I'm like, Okay, well, go. which one is it? Are we a hip or are we a hick? I don't know. <laughs> That's right. There you go. Well, and for the yeah. listener just tuning in, um, thanks for subscribing, rating, leaving us a review on iTunes. We drop new content every Monday morning to help you start your week out strong. That's and right. Pastor Grant Partrick is joining us from Passion City Church Cumberland, location in Atlanta, where he and his wife Maggie and their two daughters hang, and they've been a part of the Passion City Church team since 2014. Um, Before that location, he was serving as the pastor of Passion Students, where he challenged middle and high school students to live lives that are committed to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And uh, we love your heart, Pastor Grant, for young leaders. And before we dive into a conversation really geared to helping young leaders move forward in their lives, in their callings, toward their God dreams, toward their dorm dreams, we just thought it'd be great uh, for us and the listener to get to hear some of your leadership journey and life story. Yeah, awesome. I um, am uh, from a small town north of Atlanta called Gainesville, Georgia. And uh, most people, when you say Gainesville, they think Florida, but not Florida, Georgia. I'm one of four boys. So I lived in a very fun house growing up. I have one older brother and two younger brothers. And um, most of my life, I was a very serious uh, tennis player. So a lot of my story kind of revolves around tennis. I started playing tennis when I was two years old which sounds crazy when you say it, but now that I have a three-year-old, it's really crazy. My mom and dad weren't into it. I had uh, some extended family who got me out on like a Christmas and I just fell in love with it. It's all I wanted to do. And so from the time I was like walking, my life kind of revolved around the sport. I was going to practice before school, go to school, take the bus right back to practice, like at six years old, which is kind of crazy. And so that was so much of my journey. I grew up in a Christian home. My mom and dad, both believers, they're amazing. Uh, They went to church every Sunday, plus some. 
but I was always at tournaments. So really I was at church on the weekends if I had already lost. So it wasn't a good thing if I was at church and uh, I was really just traveling around playing tournaments weekend to weekend. In high school, I left high school early after my junior year to kind of chase this dream of trying to play tennis at the highest level, moved to Hilton Head Island, South Carolina, not a bad place to live as a 17 year old by yourself. And uh, was training there at an academy called Smith Stearns. And I was there for about 14 months, the first kind of go around and went to travel to Alabama. Um, No knock on any Alabamans, but for my money, the worst place on earth. And um, tore the labrum in my shoulder in my very first tournament, court 43 in Mobile, Alabama. And um, my whole life kind of changed in a moment. And uh, it was the only thing I'd ever done. So sometimes it sounds trivial. You're like, well, it's tennis. You know, it's like the worst thing that's ever happened to you. But somebody relates to that. It's like you've, you've given your whole life to one thing. and You mm-hmm. get just to the moment where you think it's going to get good. And overnight, it feels like it's gone. So I had surgery, did rehab, uh, came back, tried to play again, tore the same shoulder again, did surgery, did rehab. The doctor eventually looked at me and said, hey, if you don't stop playing, you're not going to be able to throw the ball with your kids when you're older. And I can remember that moment calling, you know, my parents and sitting at a red light after the doctor had called me and just going, what do you do now? Mm-hmm. You know, this is the only thing I knew how to do. And so I was a 19, 20 year old. My dreams had all kind of collapsed and I was in the worst possible place in life. Can't get any darker than where I was. No sense of self-worth, no identity. It had all eroded overnight. And so uh, I kind of figured out, what do you do in life? I guess people go to college. That's what normal people do. So (laughs) I enrolled at a commuter college just down the street from my parents' house where I was at the time, started taking classes and tried to climb the performance approval, you know, chart of maybe if I become the president of this student association, that will give me some sense of self-worth or, you know, I'll matter again. So I do that only to find another mountain that was bigger and another mountain that was bigger and, I did all that and nothing seemed to work. It's just in a really bad place. And uh, my junior year, a friend of mine's mom called me and uh, invited me to go to a concert. And I was like, I love music. It was at the Gwinnett Arena at the time. And I showed up and the concert wasn't a concert. Christians do this sometimes. It was a conference about Jesus called Passion. And um, I showed up, I sat in the top row and probably externally looked like this is the last place on earth I want to be, but internally knew I've tried everything else and nothing works. And I sat in the nosebleeds in the Gwinnett arena and listened to someone talk about God who could make beauty out of ashes. And I thought, I got to find out if this is true. So the next year of my life, I kind of launched my own personal investigation into faith. Of I had some hard questions to ask and I didn't ever get them all answered, but more of life after a year made sense with Jesus than without him. And so at a church gathering 2009, I just remember saying to God, if you can do something with a life as fractured as mine, Mm -hmm. then it's yours. And that was 2009. And it's been a crazy kind of journey ever since I started Passion City Church was just starting at the time. And um, Brad Jones, who you guys have had on the podcast, invited me uh, into the student ministry. I couldn't yet be around students because he didn't know me well enough to trust me, but he would let me come unload the trucks before and after the student ministry events. So I would drive to do that, hang in the truck while all the students gathered and had worship, and then come back in and clean up afterwards. 
And uh, after a few years, I became a family group leader in the student ministry. And then uh, 2014, I joined our team as Pastor Louis Navigator and kind of traveled the world with him, which was crazy. I was coaching tennis before that as a job. And uh, then my first move in ministry was Pastor Louis Navigator, where I'm traveling all over the world, just an amazing season of life, getting to learn from one of the very best. And uh, God's just been so faithful uh, in our journey. I got married in 2015 to the best, most amazing person on the planet, Maggie. We have two little girls, Mercy and Ember. And our journey at church has been amazing. In a snapshot, 2018, I was asked to host Passion Conference. It was the first time I was hosting, and uh, it was held at the Infinite Energy Arena, formerly known as the Gwinnett Arena. And I stood at the bottom of the steps right before the light's going to hit my face, so nervous. And it's like the biggest moment of my life. My knees are shaking, and I stood at the bottom of the steps. And the way they had me coming up onto the stage, I looked up at the seat I would have been in 10 years earlier mm -hmm. at Gwinnett Arena. And that's kind of been the story of our life. God's just been so faithful so we love our church we love this movement what we get to do we love getting to see jesus move in people's lives it's really amazing so that's a little bit about who we are love it grant thank you so much for sharing and i think even for the listener the portion of your story of like how your identity was found through sports and i think even yeah. we can be guilty of that as as ministry leaders or pastors or even key volunteers to be wrapped up in an identity of this is what i do and who i am but in reality yeah. after that title is stripped away or that talent is um hindered or hurt or kind of going through that rehab um it's amazing what God does through that process. And he takes yeah. us back to the foot of the cross, back to who we are in him, who he says we are. And it's a discovery season. We're discovering who he is and, and why, why did this happen? And I think sometimes when a, a position is taken from you or you're asked to leave or you're asked to transition or something else is put on your plate, many of the listeners are passionate about young adults, but then they might be the next gen pastor. So they're trying to rediscover um, who am I in you know, young adult ministry and, you know, uh, youth and next gen. So I'm just reminded of a time when I feel like about 12 years ago, um, I feel like my identity was being wrapped up in, um, in ministry and we're doing things, uh, for the Lord in, in theory. Mm -hmm. Um, but really just being able to identify the heart condition behind that. And some opportunities came my way and my, the timing was perfect for some of those, but my heart was not in the right position. And then yeah. an incredible opportunity came my way. And I'm just like, my heart is finally in the right position. Like it is bowed towards God and it is willing to be used and utilized. And I'm here to be a servant, not to be served, you know, or, and, the timing was wrong, but my heart was right. And I just want to encourage the listener, like if you're in a season or maybe you're trying to like not reinvent yourself, but rediscover like your passions to make sure that Christ is a center of any and all things that you do. And you're giving him the glory in that and to pray, pray for the opportunities of your heart condition, but also God's timing in that process, because when they're in sync, man, watch what he can do. So I'm just so grateful you went there, Grant, and I'm thankful that you are where you are today, because we've been, a, um, had the privilege of being one of those people in the seats for passion and, yeah. um, passion 2020, yeah. right before COVID and all that crazy stuff, we were worshiping and Carrie Job was on the stage. And that's um, one of the songs that she broke out in song uh, is now one of our daughter's favorite songs. So it's just super cool to see like how Amazing. like she was, I was pregnant with her during that time. So to see her like sing, she's like, ah, so she'll close her eyes and rock, rock, ah. <laughs> 
So it's like, it's amazing to see what God is doing when we're willing to be used by him. So, oh my gosh, there's these beautiful full circle moments, right? Right. And I I love that you went there of 2008, 2009, like back row, Mm -hmm. barely in the door. And then how God took you because you were just surrendered to him. Yeah. Yeah. And and you, you, it was a person in the back row. Yeah, there was a few years ago, I was um, traveling, speaking to a student ministry, and it was in Mobile, Alabama. And it was my first time being back in Mobile. And in between sessions, uh, I drove to the tennis facility where uh, uh, my injury took place. And I just sat at the fence at court 43. And it was one of those moments in life. And every leader knows what it's like to have a door close. Mm-hmm. every human knows what it's like that you have this dream and all of a sudden the door comes slamming shut and it doesn't make sense. You don't know why you keep trying to bang it back open, but God closes, God opens doors that no man can shut and he shuts doors that no man can open. Mm-hmm. And I think the encouragement to any young leader is that I now I'm standing on and have personal experience. There is a day where you'll look back and all the closed doors make sense. Right. And you'll be grateful that they weren't opened because I wouldn't trade what I'm doing now for anything. Mm-hmm. But in all these seasons, I was kind of so, so hurt and confused why the door shut. And if you're in that season, just know there is a day coming when every shut door will make sense. And you'll be glad they were shut because it will lead to a different door that was opened and it'll be a better door. Right. Wow. That's a, that's a good word for us, for the listener. And, um, I've, as I've followed your journey, Pastor Grant, I've picked up right away. It doesn't take following you very long to see that you are passionate about investing into young leaders. And it resonates with our heart. Mm-hmm. It resonates with the why behind this podcast. And just curious, you know, you're always writing encouragement about maybe what God's done in your life and then quick to share that with others, um, especially young leaders. Mm-hmm. Can you just go there for a second? where does this passion come from? Yeah, it's a great question. I, um, I think one of my greatest advantages when I started out in ministry was I had no ministry context. I didn't fake it like I knew what I was. I mean, I knew I was very well aware I didn't know what I was doing. And so I didn't have the temptation to like play along with like, oh, yeah, this is how you do things. I just didn't know. And I was really heartbroken and still am. I mean, the statistics of how long people are making it in ministry will mess you up if Mm -hmm. you start reading some of those statistics. And I remember when I started and how in love with Jesus I was and how amazed I was that God could use somebody like me to reach people. And I was like, this is the craziest thing ever. And then I watched all, I watched a lot of my friends drop out, you know, just run out of gas and quit. Mm -hmm. And I realized that Um, One of the reasons is because ministry is very hard. Mm -hmm. Um, And another reason I realized is that there's very few compasses left. There's very few people who have done it that are looking back and going this way, not that way. Don't go right there, go left there. It's not this way. It's I know it looks like this, but it's not actually that. I tried that 20 years ago. It didn't work. Do it this way. And there's not a lot of that. And so I failed time and time and time and time and time again. And I just felt this need for other people who were like me, who were aware of, I don't know what I'm doing, but is there somebody that has, you know, a little bit ahead of me that can tell me Mm -hmm. you're about to come to this intersection. And when you come here, you're going to be tempted to go this way, but don't, it's a trap, go this way. 
This is where longevity is. This is where faithfulness leads. And so I just started as I learned those things, most of them out of failure, most, most times from doing it the wrong way, I would go, what do I wish someone would have told me? And then I just started posting about it going, maybe this will help somebody. And it's been amazing to watch and to hear stories of people really all over the world who just mm -hmm. from a simple Insta story post here and there have found encouragement and gone, nobody's ever told me that. I'm like, that's, that's sad. Right. I want to be part of the team that's going to try to help the generation behind me. And if they could avoid one of the traps that I fell into, then that's, that's enough for me to keep doing it. Amazing. Yeah, I think that's so good. Even for, for us in the listener, we were talking to one of our friends out in uh, California area and Brett was talking about just going into some financial debt and feeling like a failure and how people perceive us and just all those different layers of realizing that if I would have mentors in my life, if we would have leaders in our life who've gone before us, and if we had a humble enough heart to be able to say, wow, would you mentor me? Because I don't know everything. I'm not going to pretend to know everything. And I think sometimes we're scared to share our failures um, and not give those failures glory, but give God the glory through what he's trying to teach us through those shortcomings or failures is what some would call. So we yeah. know that there are many listeners right now who are looking to build teams, who want strong leaders around them, that they are trying to vision cast. They're trying to lead well. They're trying to, you know, get people on board with whatever ministry that they're leading. And that can be from a volunteer level to a staff level. And I just be curious, Pastor Grant, like what are some of the must have attributes and characteristics for young leaders that maybe you look for that you surround yourself with or that you help, you know, lead up in those seasons? where you have time to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I think what I've learned over the last decade is that the most important thing, and, and I'm talking primarily from a ministry context, but I think it's for young leaders anywhere, inside of ministry yeah. and outside of ministry, is I look for a genuine sense of humility. When humility begins to erode, uh, you're, you're done. And it's going to be a temptation for all of us because we're human beings. So I, I always say to people, uh, don't be an expert, be a student, take the posture of a student. Because mm -hmm. the, the minute, you know, I look for, for humility. I look for people who love learning, people who learn on their own. So you're not going to delegate your learning to me as the leader and go, I'm only going to learn if you raise me up as a leader. No, it's your job to learn. Mm -hmm. Are you hungry? Are you reading books? Are you listening to podcasts? Are you seeking out feedback? Are you trying to get better? Can I see that in you, this genuine desire to grow and improve? So I think those are two of the things that, that I really, uh, that I look for. And then lastly is grit. I think grit is essential. And um, starting from my generation down, we are, and I don't mean this you know, I'm not trying to knock anybody. I'm included in it, but we are very soft. And when things get hard, we're quick to hit eject. And the people who can go through a choppy water mm -hmm. and keep going, I, I'm always like, those are the people I want on my team. Mm -hmm. The resolve, the grit, the people who don't take no for an answer. So great. You told me no once. Now I'm going to go figure out how to turn that no into a yes. That That's <laughs> grit, you know? And those are the kind of people I think that end up making it. It's people who are humble, people who are committed to learning. One of the things I learned early on was um, great leaders ask lots of questions. 
I had the privilege in my role as Pastor Louis Navigator to be around some of the best leaders in the world. And I was always amazed that they were always the ones asking questions. And I'm like, you should just talk. You should always just talk. Don't ask questions. Just tell people how you do what you do. But it never failed. The people who are the like high caliber, world-class leaders, they're filled with questions. And there's always a temptation as a young leader to try to pretend I either one, that I know the answer, or two, I should know the answer. Therefore, I don't want to look like an idiot and ask the question. But in that, in that moment, you're actually settling for never knowing the information that's going to make you a better leader. And so when you're around young people that ask lots of questions, it's always a sign this person is going to be a good leader. So those are a few of the things that, that I try to look for. I love it. I love the note that you ended it on of um, asking great questions. I remember starting out at my first internship. I was actually still a college student at North Central University and um, Silky and Pastor Jerry Strankless and the team, they, they asked me to come in our student ministry, our youth group, and to be an intern. And I remember Pastor Jerry told me two things. He said, if I ever catch you going to a conference, where we're around great leaders and you're talking about what we're doing at this church or you talk about you, you're fired. And, and yep, then, he, then he helped me. He goes, <laughs> here's five questions. Start a note in your iPhone. I still have this note. He goes, here's five questions that you can ask any leader. And then mm-hmm. I look at the opportunities that then he gave me to pick up leaders from the airport right by our church, right by our house. And mm-hmm. to Mm-hmm. maybe navigate them, so to speak, or to give them a ride to a conference or to a speaking engagement and, and to come armed with questions. Um, then it's not like, oh, well, what should I ask them? It's like, I'm ready mm-hmm. to ask you questions for this interview, or if, if the opportunity yeah. comes, we should always be thinking of questions. And you talked about grit too, but I just want to backtrack to something else you said, because I agree with asking questions. Mm-hmm. I agree about grit. Like one of our prayers for our daughters is that they become people of depth mm-hmm. and substance mm-hmm. and they have grit. And, um, I think something that you said early on in the conversation about being a compass just gives me a word mm-hmm. picture. And you landed on two words for a second about here's longevity and here's faithfulness. Mm-hmm. And our heart as Mike mm-hmm. and I, and hopefully for the listener too, is to finish strong, to end well, yes. to, to mm-hmm. hear well done, that good and faithful servant. Uh, and along the way, like, I'm just curious aiming the compass at longevity and faithfulness how can we invite lead like as leaders invite and allow god to develop our character in a day and an age where we're also tempted to look for shortcuts or compare or just you know what i mean we're looking for the life hacks so not looking for life hacks but how can we embrace the season of development development. and pruning yeah yeah yeah. with in mind faithfulness and longevity Yeah, I think that the core of that question is probably one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about young leaders is because there are so many temptations that you don't see and nobody's, you know, shining a light on them and going, hey, watch out for these things. They're going to they're going to trip you up. And I love the word that you even in the question used the word invite, because I think that's essential. There isn't, as a young leader, there is an importance on inviting, one, people around you to help prune you and make you better and sharpen you. Mm -hmm. But two, that when you invite something, you're taking a posture. And I think that's important, even in our interaction with God, 
as we're inviting him to come in and change us and reveal things in us. Mm -hmm. So I love that you said that. A couple of things that I think about. Uh, one, I think there's two. Uh, I think there's two kind of great attacks on this generation currently. One is isolation, and so I think one of the essential things is godly community. I say this a lot, you know, your head wants friends that can count, but your heart needs friends that can count on. Wow. And so all of us think we have community because you have a lot of people who follow you because you have a blue check mark next to your name because you are known. Uh, that's not community. Community right. is who's going to show up when you fail who's going to celebrate with you on the greatest day and who's going to drive over to your house and pray with you on your worst day. Right. And the people that I think are, are making it are people who have surrounded themselves with great community and given mm -hmm. them the authorization to challenge them. Right. You know, to, to create a life where nobody can confront you, nobody can challenge you, nobody can ask you questions. You're so removed from that is simultaneously to settle for never reaching your potential. Mm -hmm. Because the way, if you read the New Testament, the way people are sharpened, almost always in the New Testament, when growth is mentioned, it's mentioned in the context of community in the church. And so I think that's essential, being anchored in community. Um, and I think God really uses that to shape us. Another trap, I think, is sometimes uh, we get so focused, so preoccupied with thinking about, hoping for, maybe even praying for what we're hoping God's going to do in the next season, mm -hmm. that we miss out on what he has for us in the current season. And that's even been true in my own life. You know, you're in a role that's not your dream role, and you're thinking, man, whenever I get to here, and all your days you spend thinking about this future destination but what you're robbing yourself of is becoming the person in the current season that's right. going to be needed to actually live out whatever you're hoping for in the next season and the, our generation is obsessed with the future with what's coming none of us like where we are so we spend all our time thinking about where we want to go yep. and i think there is a healthy that some of that is healthy but the danger in it comes where you're no longer letting God shape you now. And you're only thinking that's going to come when the opportunities come in the future. And I think that's a real danger. I say to young leaders all the time, don't chase opportunities. That's good. Don't, don't go out and chase opportunities. Don't promote yourself. Don't, don't make a big thing about yourself and, oh, I need to get out and do a million things. Don't leave 15 jobs in your first three years in ministry because somebody else is going to give you a microphone faster. Stay planted, stay rooted, and worry about becoming somebody. God's job is then to take the person you have become and to go, now that you're becoming the man or woman I wanted you to become, now here's the opportunity. I learned over the course of the last decade that um, striving doesn't create nearly as many opportunities as faithfulness does. Mm -hmm. and, and the world will not sell you that. The world will sell you're a brand, make yourself big, take every opportunity you can take, leave this job if the next job offers something better. But what you're robbing yourself of is roots. Wow. Because in order for roots to grow, you have to stay planted put a bush in your yard and you move it every three months, it's not ever going to grow because the roots aren't going anywhere. And so wherever, whatever season you're in, and I know there's young leaders probably listening to this right now, you're in a ministry context and you're not where you want to be. Don't worry about getting where you want to be. 
worrying about becoming who God wants you to become. And if you do that, it's God's job to elevate you. It's God's job to bring a new season. Your job is to be prepared whenever that comes. And then the last thing that has been evident even in my own life, and I see it all the time in leaders, is this sense of entitlement with God of, I signed up, I, I, I went this direction with my career, I'm here to serve you, so now it's your job to give me this opportunity or bring this next thing or whatever, whatever, whatever. And there's almost this sense of, God, you owe me this. And what I've realized is that gratitude is the antidote for entitlement. And so the more I'm grateful for what God's done in my life, I don't deserve what I already have, much less what I hope he's going to give me in the future. It keeps me in the game longer because I'm not here for an opportunity. I'm just here because God saved my life. And however you want to use me is great. I can't even believe you're going to do that, you know? Yeah, I think it's so good. And Grant, I would think, I think back to some of the moments I've had in ministry early on and just maybe just always want my heart checked. And anytime I find myself wanting to strive, I find myself trying to survive. Mm. And you kind of like chasing the wind, trying to catch your tail, like whatever you want to say there. And you realize like, wow, like you said, when I'm faithful, what God has given me, I go from that striving mentality and survival mode to thriving in thriving when you are in cadence with him. And so many times we see across the board and through social media and everything that's out there right now is that you can become a, you can potentially become a sensation overnight. We have Mm -hmm. friends that have been discovered through YouTube, through singing, through all these different platforms, and they've held themselves very well, I would say overall by pursuing the Lord still to this day. And sometimes you see the TikToking and all those TikTok and you see, I don't know, any and all platforms just exploding, which can be friend and foe. And I would say for the person who is like desiring the microphone, who says, I have something to say versus what do the God's people need to hear? You know, mm-hmm. so they have to go through that character building or that we should all go through that character building process and know that we're never going yeah. to arrive. Even if there's a microphone in our hand, I'm still relying on the Holy spirit to speak through me because our words carry weight and no matter what stage or platform or Bible study, like maybe it's a small group you're leading in front of people remember things that you say and that you do that you might never remember about yourself and character building is so essential. And I think sometimes we want to grow out of that season and we want to be like, okay, now what next, next, next. So I would just be curious because of your journey and like how God has um, been using you and how you've been allowing him to be used. um, Are you, you know, used by him? What have uh, been some things that you've learned or how have you allowed God to develop your voice specifically when it comes to being a good um, communicator, whether that's on the stage in your family, leading teams, just, you know, from that platform, how have you allowed God to develop whatever he needed to in you? Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I do think there is a sense, just how even in the last question, you're using the word shortcut. And it's not like in everybody's vernacular anymore that we don't use that word, but we all are so obsessed with shortcuts. Mm-hmm. Clay Scroggins, who's a friend of mine, and, um, was has meant a lot to me in my ministry. He said one time, one time about our generation, he said, we're the generation who burns our mouths on hot pockets. And I'm like, that's true. Ouch. You know, we're too lazy to cook food the right way. So we're going to put it in the microwave. Then we're too impatient to let it cool down. So we burn our mouths on the food we cooked in the microwave. Guilty. I think that's true. You know, I really do think it's true. But 
no shortcuts are worth taking. And I think it's, um, you might get somewhere faster, but you'll be at a moment that you're not prepared for and you won't last. And you see that happening everywhere. People want the opportunity. They finally get there, but they hadn't spent the last season preparing themselves to be in that moment. And the character can't sustain the platform that they're on and they crumble. Um, I think a few things for me, um, I love the word of God and I, I pray that I always do. I, I didn't like reading when I grew up. I think uh, people who know me really well know now I'm a nerd. I read all the time. I love books. I'm very introverted. Um, so a dream day for me is being in an office with a lot of books and nobody, nobody really. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of like, uh, that's, that's kind of how I'm wired. But um, when I was younger, I really didn't enjoy reading. And I was kind of the spark notes guy through school. You know, if I can read spark notes and pass the test, I'll do that. And uh, when I, when I started following Jesus, I realized that Jesus speaks to us through his word. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to learn to love reading if for no other reason than I wanted, if, if it was possible for me to know God through his word, I wanted to pursue that and love that. So I started praying, God, give me a desire to want to read. Yep. And uh, that was essential for me. Um, so for me, I think when I think about things that I've done to try to develop as a communicator, there's some that uh, feel very weighty and there's some that feel very practical. One of them has been to really learn to love the word of God and to anchor myself there. Um, I, I have a, a, um, a trepidation or I think a healthy fear of the weight of speaking for God. Mm -hmm. And uh, I take it very, very, very seriously. Um, and so when I first started speaking in our student ministry, I knew, Hey, if this is what you want me to do in life. I need to go get trained. I haven't been following you for like a decade. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, so I went to seminary. It was seven years of being in seminary and just graduated in December, but it was something I knew. I, I don't want to take the shortcut. If you're calling me to communicate for you, I want to be equipped and prepared. Uh, so that's been helpful healthy for me and helpful. And then I would say, um, during my seminary journey, I kind of got this picture of what my job is as a communicator It is crystallized for me. David says in Psalms, magnify the Lord with me. And I started thinking about a magnifying glass. You know what a magnifying glass does is nobody uses them anymore, but it, it doesn't change the object that you're looking at. Mm -hmm. That object doesn't become bigger or smaller. What it does is it changes the viewer's perspective of the object you're looking at. Good. And I realized in my study at seminary, like nothing I can do can make God big or make God small. He's God. Right. Eternal. He always has been. But what I can do is I can tell people, hey, come look from this angle. You're not going to believe what it's going to look like from here. And that's really the template I've used for all of my preaching. And I realized it, with God, you never turn over all the rocks. You've never preached all the sermons. You've never know, you don't ever know everything there is to be known. And so I view myself as a communicator and as a preacher as primarily I spend time in the word and I try to get a picture of God. And then I just try to figure out, okay, now that I'm in this cave and I have this view here, how can I make, how can I cut out a path for all these people to say, hey, follow me and look from this angle. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to do that more than I'm trying to preach catchy sermons or I want to be excellent in my craft. But more than that, if I preach an excellent sermon and nobody gets a glimpse of God through it, that's not helpful to anybody. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's kind of been essential for me. Then on the practical side, 
I've really tried to, there is a craft that there's a gifting in preaching and there's a craft of communicating. And I've tried to really hone and develop my craft. I listen to so much preaching, it would blow people's minds. I'll listen to any preacher. I love preaching. I don't have to agree with you theologically. I just love communicating and I love preaching. I watch movies where there's speeches in them if they're great. And I learn what they do there. Where did their tone go this way? Where did it go down? Um, and so I, I read a lot. I watch a lot. And I'm primarily watching for style not for content. I think that's one of the dangers where you get, where you get in is, Oh, I watched this great message on YouTube. And so I'm just now, look, I have a message for tomorrow. I've tried to resist ever doing that, but I have said, you know, one of the things for me is I'm most comfortable when I get into the text. I've always known that. And I, when I started out as a communicator, I had a one gear bicycle. So if you put me in the text and we're just doing a Bible study, I'm going to thrive, but man, it was herky jerky getting in and it was herky jerky getting out. (laughs) So I started watching preachers that had great on-ramps and off-ramps and go, what did they do there? How did they do that? How did they do that? I wasn't taking what they were saying. I was just trying to learn the craft. And I think that's important. And I do think there is a craft that comes along with communicating. So those are a few things that I've done over the past 10 years to try to sharpen myself as a communicator. Man, Pastor Grant, that's really fun to hear you know, your journey, honestly, like I can relate with you. I'm looking at our bookcases and, um, you know, I, I love to read. I love to grow. I have that spirit of a lifelong learner. And then I I love, and I'm even challenged by like listening, maybe less for content for sermons and a little bit more stylistically Mm and learning and honing that craft. So definitely some practical takeaways and, um, just curious too. This might be kind of a, a more personal question, so you can take it another direction if, if that's more appropriate, but I'm just thinking about like, you just graduated seminary, and so your reading might now, both with scripture and with books, it might be you're entering into a little bit more of a personal enjoyment season, or you can read <laughs> some of those and prioritize yes. some of those things where like you've, you've wanted to catch up on this and, and maybe you haven't. Yeah. So I'm just curious about like, if you were to open the text today, or if, if somebody was listening and they're like struggling, they're at that tennis heartbreak moment that you shared at the top of the episode, like, you know what, I'm not where I thought I was going to be. Um, some hopes and dreams just kind of got shattered or, or a door closed that I don't know if it's open or, or closed for good. And I'm trying to figure out what God wants for me next. And for the listener who just needs some hope, some encouragement through what, what God might be speaking to you now, like, what are you learning or what would you maybe be able to encourage us with today? If, if we're in that spot that I just described. Yeah. I think um, every good leader, effective leader, is familiar with that spot. So know that you're not alone. Everybody who's ever really accomplished anything knows what it's like to be in that season. And uh, I think for me, one of the things my pastor has said, and it really has been seared onto my heart, is let God's faithfulness in the past fuel your confidence in the future. Wow. That's good. And, you know, when you, when you look throughout the narrative of scripture, I think, you know, in, in my Bible over 160 times, you see the word remember. And there's something about God's people remembering. Remember last time when you were really worried and you didn't think this was going to work out, you started freaking out. Do you remember that? 
And then how did it work out? Yes, okay. Well, God has a perfect track record. Never in history has he failed. It's impossible for him to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for us, it's good to rehearse the faithfulness of God over our lives and to go, man, I, I remember that season. I didn't think our marriage was going to make it. And then God came through. So the next time you get there, remember that and rehearse it. Remember that time you lost your job and you were worried about how are we going to make ends meet? How, what's going to happen next, God? I feel like you just left me out here in the wilderness. And then do you remember how he provided that thing for you last time? Just rehearse that. And as you do, you as you rehearse his faithfulness, you'll begin to swell up with hope. And uh, I've seen that, you know, in my own life. Um, one of the leaders said to me a long time ago, they said, when you don't know what to do next, do what you know to do always. And it was so helpful to me. Like, what do you know to do? Seek God in his word, devote yourself in prayer, anchor yourself in community. So you may not know what's next. Like, do I take this job or that job? Or you may not know the answer to the decision that's coming, but you do know what to do. God's, God's given us some practices and uh, that's really helpful. And then lastly, uh, our last two things I would say is we'll keep showing up. I have a few compasses in my life now that are 70 years old and older, and they've, they've had amazing runs in ministry. And it's amazing how frequently they talk about perseverance. It's, it's idealistic to think that you're going to show up every day and want to conquer the world and never be deflated and never be discouraged. Read the scripture. Nobody in scripture lived that way. Nobody. Like we're living in a broken planet and we're trying to lead broken people and we're broken at the same time. It's hard, but keep showing up, uh, show up again tomorrow. And then lastly, I would say, and this has been key for me in seasons, even recently where I felt like I was running out of gas is um, remember that God sees all of your sacrifice. And that has to be enough for you. And it has to be enough for me. If nobody else sees it, if nobody else claps for you, if nobody gives you a parade on, you know, on the way to work tomorrow morning, if nobody's retweeting you or posting about you on Instagram, if nobody's following you, if people are leaving your church, if people are upset with you because you did one thing and the other people are upset with you because you didn't do the other thing and you just feel like you can't win. Just remember that God sees every sacrifice and he refuses to let it go unrewarded. It may not be till heaven, but you will be rewarded for sacrificing your life for the sake of the kingdom. You will be. It's promised in scripture. And so in seasons where you feel like you're out in the wilderness and you have no hope and you're like, man, I'm just plowing away. Then remember, God sees every season of plowing. And he's not going to let it go unrewarded. And that has to be enough for us. It can't be we need God to see it, plus all these other people to see it. Doesn't work like that. We just have to go, God, if you see it, then it's worth me living this way. So I'm going to keep showing up, keep serving. And um, those have really helped me in seasons where I, I was kind of running out of gas. I think that's amazing. And go back to scripture and mull over the, the promises of God. Who does he say he is? And 
he's never yeah. changing he's faithful he's he is who he says he is on every level for all eternity and i think it's just a beautiful thing to recognize that we as humans we're designed to persevere we're designed yeah. to move forward we're designed to rely on him and one thing that one of our friends prayed over us when we entered a new form of ministry about four and a half four years ago four and a half years ago we were praying about it we're in our fourth year of um, college ministry on a campus right now and he he prayed he goes i pray that you guys have thick skin, but a soft, tender heart. Yes. And anytime there's a moment where you're like, oh man, like, what are we up against? Like, does it matter what we're doing? Like going back to the word to remember God's God's word is on our heart to do this for a season for such a time as this. And we don't want to take that lightly, um, but yeah. to know that when we're up against those things, we have a soft, tender heart in the process. That's part of the, the character building. And that's part of the faith building things too. And we know that we serve a faithful God and we know the faith of the next generation is essential as well. And yeah. sure as you're going to seminary, like you're unpacking things that you never thought that you'd be able to unpack in a classroom or online with other people um, alongside you in your classrooms and stuff. And I was just so, uh, so interested in what you uh, feel or how you feel about this, but why do you believe that young adult ministry is so important and vital in this day and age? Yeah. Um, I think the, the first thing that comes to mind for me is I met Jesus in that season. Wow. And uh, I have in my Bible, in every message I preach, somewhere on the notes, I write the number 2007, the year 2007. Because it was the last year I knew what it was like to be trapped in my sin with no way out. And I'm, I'm always reminding myself as I'm preaching, the majority of people listening to you are in a 2007 moment right now. And I think that's part of it is I realized for throughout high school and throughout most of college, the most influential voices in my life were people who were one to two seasons ahead of me. My parents were amazing, but everybody knows what it's like. You don't want to listen to your parents. Um, but I didn't have a voice for Jesus. I didn't have someone telling me this way, not that way. And so when I met Jesus, I anchored. I was like, that's the window I want to be in. I want to be in that window. And then I think when you, when you look at someone's life, you realize some of the most impactful and influential decisions you make in life Mm -hmm. happen in the years of 18 to 25. That's why passion's in this window of mm -hmm. a lot of people are deciding, who am I going to marry? What do I want to do for a career? What do I want to study? And I think young adult ministry and pouring into young adults is so important because people can't finish well if they never start, mm -hmm. you know? Right. And so if you can be at that intersection and just plant there, and go, I'm going to be a voice of hope. I'm going to be a voice for Jesus at this intersection. I don't think there's anything more important. I know Levi answered the same way, so I'll give him the credit for this. But the other thing is, I got two girls. Right. I have a three-year-old and a 19-month-old. And more important to me than them having a happy and healthy life is that they meet Jesus, fall in love with Jesus, and spend every second they have serving him. Yep. And God's got to raise up a generation that's going to do that. 15, 20 years. Right. You know, so I don't know of anything that's more important. Wow. So good. Oh, Grant, that resonates with me. It mm -hmm. encourages me on the home front and on the front lines, if that makes sense. Like, mm -hmm. you know, um, mm -hmm. our relationship with Jesus comes first and then our marriage. And then these two precious gifts from above that are daughters that don't belong to us they belong to him but he's entrusted to us and we've dedicated these girls back to him 
And I'm just like, man, that's, that's why we do what we do is their faith yeah. mm-hmm. and that they might know him. And then I think of like what God's called us to both vocationally and whether or not we got paid to do it. I know that we did it before we got paid. And if there's yeah. a day that we, we don't get paid to do that, like we're still going to invest mm-hmm. in the faith mm-hmm. of the next generation. So I just would say to the listener, if you are wondering if you're making a difference, if, if you're parking at that intersection, Hey, traffic is coming. Young adults aren't yeah. going anywhere. There's a lot yeah. of college students. Some of them might be online or in person. Um, but I love that word picture of mm-hmm. park at that intersection, provide hope at that intersection of life. And it's going to be a springboard and a launch pad. And we love trust it. that God's going to make a difference in you yeah. and through you and far beyond you. Cause it's with him. And, um, I, this is where my head's at too. Pastor Grant is, um, read a great book a while ago called uh, Grit, Angela Duckworth. And we're talking about the passion narrative and, and the work that you're doing with Passion City Church, Passion Conferences. And I'm like, passion is a place where people sometimes go to have this holy moment with God. And it's it literally spurs up passion, mm. hope, mm. excitement. It fuels their faith. And then I'm wondering, about she defines Angela Duckworth in the book grit. She defines grit as passion multiplied by perseverance. So we've mm-hmm. heard a lot about passion. Like it's all about the glory of God. It's not our own name. Mm-hmm. It's about Jesus. We want to live our lives for what matters most. What if maybe the other step in cadence was the perseverance? Like you yeah. said, showing up, keep going. Mm-hmm. And so just remember um, that passion multiplied by perseverance is that's how grit's made up. And so Grant, good. How we like to close is I think the listener's favorite part of the episode too. We like to get to know you better and just put okay. five minutes on the clock mm-hmm. and okay. uh, ask you some rapid fire questions. Are you up for that challenge? Let's do it. Okay. Let's do in it. Tennis. What is the equivalent to like a home run derby? What would you guys in have in tennis? Is there anything, any drill? Um, any drill. Drill or like a. You know, they have the three pointers. They got that in basketball. Yeah, like I would say like a ace is probably like if you're acing someone in your serve, it's probably like the closest thing to hitting a three pointer. Okay, well, you have five attempts to ace every single one of these questions. Are you up for the challenge? I'll do my best. I'll do my best. I'll get my shoulder. Warm up. Yes. Yeah, Michael Phelps. (laughs) Yeah. Get those arms going. So, okay. Question number one. Just I want to kick us off. Yeah. Grant, if you could describe yourself in three words, what would they be? Three words. Okay. I would say competitor at everything, learner. And then lastly, I would say family man, which is two words, but maybe we can hyphenate it and make it one word. There you go. Good answer. Okay. Question number two to ace this one for the leader, just starting out, how do they start strong and finish? Well, maybe we've already touched on that a couple of times, but yeah, that's a great question. Here's a couple of things. One resist comparison. It either leads you to feeling inferior or superior and both of them are sinful and neither is helpful. Number two, stay sensitive to the sin in your own life. When you watch leaders fall around us, there's normally a link to there became a time where you were no longer sensitive to the sin in your life and you stopped fighting it. Fight it until you're home with Jesus. Uh, Number three, failure is an event, not an identity. So you can experience failure, but you cannot be a failure. So when you fail, learn from it and pick it up and keep going. 
my gosh, what a word. Uh, <laughs> this is maybe the eighth for us where we're going to take a swing and we might miss, but we're, we're yes. willing to not have um, uh, identity of failure, but we're willing to have an event if need be. So if you could ask Mike and I any question, what would you ask us? Uh, I, I thought about this one a lot. I have, I wish I could, maybe we could do another one where I ask you a lot of questions, but one of them would be, uh, I, I respect how laser focused y'all are on this next generation. So I think one of the things I would want to know is what is something that exists in this next generation that's giving you a lot of hope, confidence, inspiration for the future. Like once one thing about this generation that you're like, they have X and this has given us a lot of hope. Mm. You want to first? Yeah, I'll go first and I'll keep it brief into the point. Um, I look at this. Sometimes you're like maybe riding a horse and, and it's easier to steer something that's going than it is to kick something to get it going. And the next generation, they're going places. They have a fuel and a desire to change mm -hmm. the world that people like Jane Goodall, she says on her show that the thing that gives her the most hope is the next generation's desire to change the world. And that's just a thing thing. It's not a church thing or even, a, but when it's harnessed with faith in Jesus, that is like the gospel in motion. That's like the great commission. So it's like we're there's the next generation set up for a kickstart or a head start on like this desire that sometimes you almost need to go, whoa, but it's, it's like, you'd rather have to go, whoa, than like giddy up. So good. Oh man. I think for me, I love the creative aspect of this generation. I mm. am creative in different realms, whether it be through writing, through the home projects, um, but their incessant need to ask questions. And not yeah. that I have to prove an answer, but for me to be a leader that says, you know what, let's discover this together. And we might not ever get to a conclusion about some of the questions that you have, but the solid individuals who are claiming and walking with Christ are hungry and they have a heart for their own generation instead mm. of overlooking them. So when you come across those people, I'm like, you stir my heart and my faith because I'm like, yes, praise God. Like you're going to be the camp leaders when our kids go to camp someday, wow. you know, to know that I, yeah. yeah, like I'd rather have, you know, harness your faith versus, you know, try to get up and go. But the creativity aspect of it is, it mm -hmm. just blows That's my great. mind. It just blows my mind. I mean, they're, they're onto something here, I guess. <laughs> so I funny. wonder if there are, um, listeners who I always wondered when we get to this question, like in all your other uh, episodes, I'm like, there's no way y'all didn't know what the person was going to ask. Cause it's always like, you don't even think about it. So somebody asks a random question and then you just go right into these amazing answers, but I can validate these two. I, they've never heard me ask that question. Before. That's pretty, pretty impressive. Josiah, I think your answer took less than three seconds to go into something amazing, which is pretty cool. Oh way to go. It's part of that being ready in season and out of season. There you go. So there you right. go. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. <laughs> All right. Question number four here, Grant, for you. If you um, would be willing to go here, our listeners love this question. And so do we, just because we can learn from people who've gone before us, would you be willing to share an embarrassing moment or maybe what you would call an epic failure in your leadership throughout your years of ministry, or maybe just even life? Oh, I could list so many, but I'm going to do one that just happened because it's fresh. Um, so I just graduated from seminary. President of the seminary I went to is a guy named Dr. Mark Yarbrough. He's amazing. He's kind of become a friend as much as you can be friend with a president of a seminary as a student. 
was our relationship. And uh, he recently was at Passion City uh, preaching on Sunday, which was amazing. So thrilled. It's like two worlds colliding. This is going to be amazing. And I was introducing him like to our church beforehand. So I get up and, you know, I kind of like my context with him is he's my seminary. He's the president of the seminary I go to and I just graduated from there. So I have this like very respectful I want to crush this. I want to get everything right. You know, I want to get his kids' names right and his wife's name right. And I want to do this right. And I get up there. And so I just start going through all these details in my head. And I introduced him and I said a bunch of things that were right. And then when I got to the very end, I was talking about his family. I said, he's the dad to four kids. And he's, I meant to say at this point, he is the, uh, and he's married to his high school sweetheart, but that's not what I said. I said, he's the dad to four amazing kids and he's the mom of his high school sweetheart <laughs> <laughs> to the president of the seminary. And, and I, I didn't catch myself because I was in such a like, you know, get all the details <laughs> right. <laughs> and I, I went and I sat down after he came up and my wife just leaned over and goes, I think you just called Dr. Yarbrough the mom of his high school sweetheart <laughs> and sure enough I did in front of a lot of people oh my gosh so, I love those moments well, to be honest hey, with you thank you for going there <laughs> because I think at least for me and I'm sure for the listeners sometimes you hear the word passion or passion city church and you're like hey they we know that you guys bring excellence but we all make mistakes. We all have moments where our words get confused and it made yeah. sense up here. And somehow <laughs> by the time it comes out, you wish you could go back and there's no going back. So thank totally. you for going there. You just, uh, you just own it and carry on, you know? Yeah. There you go. And um, man, if there was maybe a room that was filled with college pastors, young adult ministry leaders or young leaders listening, mm -hmm. and we handed you the microphone for one piece of hope or one charge or one note of encouragement to really land on? What would you, how would you close today? I think I would say, so over the last two years, obviously been a very difficult, challenging time to be in ministry. And there is a verse in Romans that I feel like has saved my life. And it is Romans 12, uh, where Paul says, therefore, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And what really grabbed my heart was in view of God's mercy. Because he says that before he tells people to offer their body as a living sacrifice, he says, before you do that, make sure that you have the mercy of God on your own life in view. And what we're all tempted to do, and if you haven't been tempted yet, you haven't been in ministry long enough yet, but you eventually will, is you try to offer your body as a living sacrifice with no gospel kicking around in your heart. Mm -hmm. You try to do Christian things because it's your job. This is what I do. I execute. And they're Christian things, so surely God's happy with me because I'm doing Christian things. But you won't make it. The only way you'll make it is to keep the mercy of God in view in your own life. And so do whatever you have to do. That's where the whole 2007 thing started coming into play for me. And it's everywhere. It's in my office on the whiteboard. It's on almost every sheet of paper I write. And before I answer an email, before I open my Bible, I stare at the year 2007 and I rehearse in my mind, God, I cannot believe that you've done this in my life. Now, what does the day bring? Now I'll answer your email. Now I'll get on the phone. Now I'll you know, read scripture for the day. And so don't, I think my encouragement would be don't do Christian things 
without Christ. That's good. Jesus doesn't need you to do anything for him. You're not the hero of the story. Our story already has a hero. That place is taken. It's not vacant, and we don't need you to be it. So don't let pride twisted and wrapped up in Christianity make you think that you're doing something for God that God needed you to do for him. God doesn't need anything. He's God. He just in his grace wants the best for you. So he's inviting us to be part of what he's doing. And so rehearse that grace that is on your life before you go try to execute anything. And if we'll do that, we'll save ourselves from a performance Christianity and we'll save ourselves from running into the ground and our fuel tank basically emptying out and coming to a place where you're like, I don't know how to keep going. Yeah, you do. Just stare at the mercy of God on your life. And then after you got a good look at it every day, then go offer your body as a living sacrifice. So good. Amen. What a great challenge or personal inventory we can all take each and every single day to recognize that because of Christ's blood, we are allowed to be in contact with him, have a relationship wow. with him, lead people to him yeah. and allow him to, to lead and guide us, you know, throughout each and every single moment. Sometimes with kids, it's every single second and just taking each day <laughs> at a time. So Pastor Grant, thank you so much uh -huh. for spending time with us and our listener today. What an amazing conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me guys. Of course. Wow. What a treasure. I can't wait to go back and, and be the listener on this one. You shared from your heart, you shared from a place of, mm -hmm just openness and trans, you know, transparently and vulnerably and uh, really grateful for your heart for young leaders. And if you want to find out more about Pastor Grant and Passion City Church or Passion Conferences, you can do so when you connect with us on our website and in the show notes. And until next time, this is Josiah Micah signing off with Pastor Grant Partrick. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Plug me in. I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.